Child of Our Time interview, consultant paediatrician Dr Lucy Reynolds discusses the implications for policy, practice and parents of a new report by a team of academics at UCL outlining the harmful effects of hitting children. The figures from the different studies do vary a bit, but it seems to me that the ballpark is probably around 50% of preschool and primary school age children are being physically punished. One study growing up in Scotland asked seven-year-olds in 2012 to 2013 if they would be smacked if they'd done wrong, and 56% of them said yes. And then the Millennium Cohort Study, a UK study of babies born between 2000 and 2002, when they asked mums about any use of smacking in Scotland, at kids at the age of five, it was 57.6% were getting smacked, and at seven, 47.6%. And when they were looking at the whole of the UK, they said the peak age for um, children being smacked was around three, and that only 20% of children in the study were never smacked between the age of three and seven. How concerned are you personally about this issue, Lucy, in your role as a, as a doctor, and what's your experience of it? Well, I'm very concerned. I mean, I'm a paediatrician, And I specialise in child development and disability. And we know children learn from what you do. And if you hit a child, they learn to hit. If you, as this big, powerful adult, are physically punishing this small, vulnerable child, then they learn that dominating others through physical violence or being dominated by physical violence is what they should expect. For me, with my understanding of child development, I know, even without this excellent report, that hitting children will make them more likely to hit. Now, this report from the NSPCC says there is now ample evidence of how physical punishment can damage children, um, very much supporting what you've been saying there, and how it can escalate into physical abuse. This is something presumably you agree with. This is a huge amount of evidence. They reviewed 74 original research articles, and they weren't small studies. About half of these studies were on samples of several thousand. These studies were about the legally permissible level of physical punishment, So what we're talking about, the kind of smacking level, these aren't studies about really abusive levels of of physical punishment. They were all these 74 studies longitudinal, so they were following forward from when the physical punishment happened to the outcomes in terms of behaviour and mental health and so on. And the findings were really consistent. For instance, of 55 studies on problem behaviour, 42 of them found that the experience of physical punishment predicted more aggression in in the children, conduct disorders, antisocial behaviours, exactly what you'd expect from knowledge of of child development. What about what we might describe as the less uh, visible impacts of physical punishment, Um, things like depression and maybe the longer term effects over time as well as as people grow older? There were fewer studies on internalising symptoms, so reacting by more kind of depressive symptoms and anxiety. So although there were fewer studies on that, there was evidence of links to those as well. And also, again, fewer um, studies following up into adulthood, because obviously that would take much longer. But the studies that did, did show evidence of links to depression and low self-esteem, also to adult mental illness and substance abuse. And also there was evidence of like what they would call a dose-response relationship, so that the more frequent the smacking the higher the risk that the child would show aggressive behaviour. And then the other bit, you know, whether there was evidence of of it escalating into physical abuse, there weren't quite as many studies, but they were good studies, and all of them concluded that there was a relationship, so there was like a continuum of violence from the physical punishment into physical abuse, 
for example, a study looking at the use of legally permissible physical punishment found it was related to a higher risk of a child needing medical attention for an injury in the first year of life and also increased risk of, of household involvement with child protection uh, services. What would you say are the most important things to emerge here, perhaps that even you didn't know about? Firstly, that physical punishment just is not effective in achieving improved behaviour and actually it's potentially damaging. So for me, you know, if there's something that could potentially cause long-term damage to children, this is something we should be protecting them from. And then secondly, that it is still really commonly happening in in the UK. And, you know, reading those figures that it's about half of children and, and talking to friends about that, you know, that's, yes, that's alarming. But at the same time, you could turn it around and say that that's actually quite inspiring because it means we've actually got an opportunity to make a really significant improvement in the health of well-being in in our health and well-being of our children because thirdly what what this shows is that there's really good evidence that there is effective intervention we can change i wonder if there are any other countries leading the way on this places we can learn from steadily more and more countries have introduced legislation to completely ban physical punishment of children, starting with Sweden back in 1979, and now there's 47 states who have enacted legislation, most recently Ireland, just this week. And there's another similar number, you know, coming on for 50, that although they haven't yet brought in the legislation, they have committed to introducing it. So in the UK, we're really lagging behind. Now, one of the key arguments put forward that gets in the way of change has been traditionally that somehow by bringing into into effect new laws on this, you're somehow criminalising parents. The legislation symbolises a change in what society considers acceptable. And you can think of examples like the drink driving legislation with smoking bans. It's since the legislation, people's attitudes have really moved on a lot. So now you just would never think of of driving when potentially over the limit alcohol-wise. So legislation is really effective in changing public attitudes, um, especially if it's like accompanied with a public information campaign. So, for instance, there was a survey quoted looking at difference in attitudes between um, Sweden, where it's been illegal for ages, France, where there's been no change in law and no information campaign, and Austria, Germany and Spain, which are kind of in between in terms of some of them have legislated, some have had information campaigns. And one of the questions they asked adults was whether they thought slapping a child on the face was violent. And in Sweden, about 85% said, yes, slapping a child on the face is violent. Whereas in France, only 30% of adults thought that it was violent to slap a child on the face. And then in the other countries, it was like in between. So legislating can have, with information campaigns, can have an impact. And what about this whole question about whether or not smacking a child actually works, whether it makes a difference to their behaviour. In the Growing Up in Scotland study, when the children were two, they asked the main caregiver if they'd ever smacked. They excluded in this analysis children where uh, to the, the, the caregiver already felt that the child had some kind of behaviour problem. So this was them smacking children who didn't have a particular behaviour problem. And so about 20.4% had smacked two-year-olds without behaviour problems. And when those children were followed through to four, the ones who'd been smacked at two were more than twice as likely to display emotional and behavioural difficulties. This is scored on something called the Strengths and Difficulties Questionnaire than those who'd not been smacked. A child with no behaviour problems is more likely to develop behaviour problems if they'd been smacked. And then another one that stood out was a study where they were looking at children who did have behavioural problems and they saw bigger reductions in conduct problems and the externalising behaviours, aggression and so on, if 
there were lower physical punishment at baseline and if there was a reduction in physical punishment following the intervention. So, you know, if you smack children without behaviour problems, they're more likely to develop behaviour problems. And if you smack children who have behaviour problems, they're more likely to continue to have them. Now, the NSPCC, one of the key arguments it's making in this report is that it says that fundamentally children's human rights are being violated and it's, it's, it's calling for really major reforms here in the UK. Is that what you'd like to see too? Absolutely, yes. Yes, yes. The defence in Scottish law, which allows caregivers to hit their children, has the title of justifiable assault. And in the other countries of the UK, it's called reasonable punishment. And to me, it is just not reasonable, it is not justifiable, that small children actually are less protected in the law than fully grown adults. And you see the kind of horror there is in the press when, for instance, there are adults with learning difficulties being hit by caregivers at Winterbourne View, or if an elderly person is hit, even a dog being hit. And yet, here we have evidence that around half of young children in the UK are being hit, and there's no uproar. So yes, like the NSPCC, like Bernardo's, the College of Paediatrics and Child Health, more than 600 UK-based organisations that make up the Children Are Unbeatable Alliance. Absolutely, I would call for all physical punishment of children to be prohibited by law and for that to be accompanied by information campaigns and appropriate support for parents so that they're in a position to use positive parenting strategies. And what do you, th- what do you think for you as a, as a health professional and for your colleagues, what, what would be the ramifications of this, this sort of change for, for you who are you know, really at the coalface working, working with children? Well, from all this evidence, I would expect that within a few years of the legislation, information campaign, appropriate support for parents, we would actually be seeing fewer children with behaviour and conduct problems and higher levels of, of overall child well-being, and probably fewer child protection cases. And over the longer term, I think it would be reasonable from the evidence to expect that we would be seeing positive impacts on adult well-being again. Uh, you know, as well, and generally lower levels of violence in our society. So for me as a paediatrician in the field that I work, and particularly for colleagues in child and adolescent mental health services, I would think they'd be seeing less pressure on their services, which sounds fantastic. What's your message for the people with the power to make this change, then the politicians, the policy makers, uh, the legislators? It's a relatively easy win in terms of something that you could do to improve population health, because when you think of things like minimum pricing for alcohol or plain, cig- plain cigarette packaging or trying to ban advertising directed at children, you've got these really powerful lobby groups against what you're trying to do for the benefit of children. But with this... There is nobody that actually benefits from the physical punishment of children. So as the report concludes, we just need to stop doing it and we need to stop as soon as possible. Equally Protected, a review of the evidence on the physical punishment of children by Dr Anya Heilman, Professor Yvonne Kelly and Professor Richard Watt was commissioned by NSPCC Scotland, Children First, Bernardo Scotland and the Children and Young People's Commissioner Scotland. You can find a copy of the report on the NSPCC's website at www.nspcc.org.uk.